Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, an update on Real ID, a new head coach for the Minnesota Timberwolves, and a preview of Twins Spring Training. But first, Republicans in the Minnesota Senate have queued up a number of challenges to Governor Tim Walz's emergency COVID powers, including his restrictions on schools, restaurants, and bars. Democrats in the Minnesota House so far have been the backstop, keeping GOP lawmakers from having their way. But how long will that last? Eminem's Bill Werner talked with the top political analyst. We asked Hamlin University professor David Schultz if the governor could have a problem. Might House Democrats not continue to back his emergency orders? It's not that he has a problem yet, but it's emerging. And I mention this because of the fact that the governor's basically been invoking emergency orders for about the last year in terms of schools, businesses, and so forth. And with the arrival of the vaccine, um, it's just going to continue to hasten, I think, this erosion of support or uh, supports the word, you know, especially among, let's say, the second and third ring of suburbs, which are now kind of tiring of, of schools closed, businesses closed, et cetera, et cetera. So this does not suggest right now that the governor has a problem, but it does suggest that if it goes much longer, you might start to see other members start to shift. But I also think this speaks to a bigger challenge that the governor faces, is that his budget proposal and his policy agenda for this this session is is very, very heavy. Um, He wants a lot of things. And so long as the governor's emergency orders are are a major issue, it's going to be difficult for him and for the Democrats to be able to move anything else. So at some point, uh, this is going to probably give uh, in terms of the emergency orders and these votes are perhaps, again, sort of the foreshadowing of what could happen between perhaps even now and May as we're getting to the the closing days of the special or the regular session. And I assume that the way we would see this happen is not so much a wholesale cancellation of the governor's emergency authority, but probably zeroing in on certain areas like schools, restaurants and bars, uh, and maybe some other key areas that have been really high, really high visibility. I think you're absolutely correct. The ones that I think people are really chafing under, you know, the businesses and schools, I think are the first ones. But I also think there's a secondary issue here, too. It's not just the governor's emergency orders for specific businesses. I would not be surprised if there's also a larger debate about changing the statutory provisions regarding the scope of what the governor can do in the future. Because I think there is there are many people in the legislature who are saying, well, how can the governor essentially almost rule by decree for 12 months with with minimal oversight, you know, effective oversight from the legislature? So I think that is also uh, part of the agenda that may be um, um, up, up for negotiation down the line. It would seem that we would have to be a bit more out of this COVID pandemic, though, than we are now to be able for for folks to get some traction out on that in the legislature and maybe even to convince the the governor in some way to go along with it. Is that a reasonable supposition? I think so. But as we do roll out the vaccines more and more, we're at about, what, a million vaccines yeah, right, have been right in that administered? Range. Yep. 
about a million right now. And as we start to move for the next few months, I definitely think the topic will emerge. And again, as we get closer to May, where the current budget, when negotiations actually get serious, that is when we may see some of these these issues also go on the table in terms of negotiation points for the Republicans saying, if you want X, um, you're going to have to do, you know, ABC in terms of your emergency powers. And so I think the governor already is trying lay turf for that by opening up bars and restaurants a little bit, by saying he wants everybody back to school. I think he's trying to mount a counter defense on that. And I suppose what he might do is, if he wants to try to preserve emergency powers for potential future use, if, if he takes the pressure off by opening up as much as possible, it might seem more of a moot point in the mind of the public, right? And he might not get as much pressure on him. He might be in a better negotiating position. I think you're absolutely correct. The more he could do to, re- to remove the emergency orders and, let's say, the closure of the state from the political debate, the better of a negotiation position he may be in terms of getting some things that he wants. Although at the end of the day, a lot of what he wants in his budget proposal, a lot of what he wants in his agenda, such as tax increases, are probably not going to happen no matter what. But he still needs to offer something to the Republicans to pay even those independent um, or more swing districts that are occupied even by Democrats if he wants to be able to hold them in the fold. Yeah, exactly, and then put himself in a better position for what is looking like a likely bid for re-election. Yeah, there's no question about it. So I think he's got his, his re-election he has to worry about. I think he also has to worry about what, as part of his re-election, he's got to nail down on the biennial budget this year so he's not having a long, protracted fight going into, into later this year. And at the same time, I'm not sure he can withstand... Um, another year where he has to keep doing emergency orders every month and keep calling special sessions. Um, at some point, that practice is going to probably be, be harmful to his re-election bid. That's Hamlin University Professor David Schultz. Scott, we have a little under three months remaining in the regular legislative session. And during that time, two very significant things will happen that will influence the governor's relationship with not only Republicans but also Democrats at the legislature. The first is how the COVID vaccine rollout proceeds. The second is the trial of Derek Chauvin, the ex-officer facing the most serious charges in the death of George Floyd. Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives. Who are we? We're your neighbors, co-workers, and friends. That's right, we live and work in the community too. Because of that, we're committed to making sure our electric services stay reliable, affordable, and safe. Throughout the state, Minnesota electric co-ops work independent of each other, but with the same goal, provide power to Minnesota. You have so many other things to worry about. Your electricity isn't one of them. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives, bringing power to the people of Minnesota. Change a light bulb, save some green. Just replace traditional light bulbs with energy-efficient bulbs and fixtures. If you're like most people, 20% of your home electric bills go directly to lighting. Every light we switch to one bearing the government's Energy Star label uses at least two-thirds less energy than older bulbs. Such a light will save more than $30 in energy costs over its lifetime. 
Brighten your environmental future from the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The federal Real ID full enforcement deadline is less than eight months away, and the Minnesota Department of Public Safety Driver and Vehicle Services Division wants Minnesotans to know their options so they're prepared on October 1st. Tasha Radel has more. That's right, Scott. Beginning October 1st of this year, Minnesotans will not be able to use their standard driver's license or ID card to board domestic flights or enter federal facilities. Instead, they will need one of three options, a passport or passport card, a real ID, or an enhanced driver's license or ID. Joining me today to help get you real ID ready is Minnesota DVS Director Emma Corey. Emma, what's a good first step in beginning this process? The first thing, first thing for Minnesotans to remember is that Minnesotans have options to be real, real ID ready for October 1st, 2021. You've got options. Important thing to know is that October 1st of 2021, in order to get on a plane to travel, whether it's to Chicago or Florida or across the country internationally, Uh, you will need a real ID, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, as well as to enter federal facilities. So the options available to Minnesotans today is when you renew your license, if you want to renew, you can do that in person, and what we are recommending is that you do the pre-app ahead of going in in person so that your time during this time of COVID, I know you want to reduce your wait times at any uh, location, physical location. And so do your pre-app at drive.mn.gov, have the right documents, the process will lead you through it. Bring in the documents, you can be in and out and you will have your credential in 10 10 to 15 days after that visit. Let's talk a little bit more about passports. If you don't have a real ID, can you use your passport to fly? First of all, if you have a passport or a passport card, you are already real ID ready. You are set, you have what you need. What you do need to remember is a lot of us remember to take that passport out when we travel internationally. We don't necessarily think about a passport when we're traveling to Chicago. Uh, you will need to have that passport on hand for domestic trips as well. Now, if you do not have a passport or a passport card, that's when it is probably a good idea for you to consider a real ID. A real ID requires more documentation, but will allow you to have a credential that allows you to enter federal facilities as well as to get on planes starting October 1st, 2021. Emma, let's say, for instance, my driver's license doesn't expire until next year. Can I still obtain a real ID before then? Yes, you can. You can renew early for a small fee. And uh, the good news, though, you will pay a small fee, but your four years gets added to the time. So if you're renewing six months early, 
you will pay a small fee for that, but then you'll get four years plus your six months. And for folks like myself that aren't really familiar with the Real ID process, is there a good place they can go for information and to get started? Absolutely. Drive.mn.gov. Excellent spot. It will walk you through what, you know, what's the right kind of ID for you. It will walk you through the Real ID process. It will also allow you to pre-apply so that you are completely set for that in-person visit to be short and sweet. We're about out of time today, Emma. Anything you wanted to add before we wrap up? Sure. Uh, the reminder for Minnesotan is pre-apply, pre-apply, pre-apply. In this time of COVID, we want you to be able to come in and out. And so go on the website, do your entire pre-application, half the work online. That way you come in, they're verifying your documentation, and you can be out of there in record time and get your credential efficiently. Second thing I would remind folks is about your name. If you have had a name change uh, and your uh, documents that you are bringing for verification do not match the name for with which you will be applying for your ID, very important to bring that documentation, whether that's a marriage certificate or a divorce, so, you know, you know, uh, documentation that shows that all of you that can connect all of your documents and allow us to, uh, you know, make sure we can avoid a second trip. Our intent is to get you set in that one trip. Thanks again to my guest, Emma Corey, Director of the Department of Vehicle Services. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The Minnesota Timberwolves fired head coach Ryan Saunders last Sunday night and almost immediately replaced him with Toronto Raptors assistant coach Chris Finch, who was introduced on Monday afternoon. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm says the process had some people wondering. Scott, few people at this point are questioning whether Saunders should have been let go. His team had the worst record in the NBA this season at 7-24 and at the time of his termination, and his career record was just 43-94. and The 34-year-old Saunders is the son of the late Flip Saunders, who had his fingerprints all over the franchise. But what some are questioning is the timing of things. Did President of Basketball Operations Gerson Rosas negotiate a deal with Finch while still having Saunders coach the team? And why were there no other candidates, including minority candidates, interviewed? First, Rosas explained the timeline. The decision to dismiss Ryan wasn't made till Sunday. And at that point, we were already in game preparation. To be fair to Ryan, these decisions take time, you know, as we spoke with ownership as we met with our leadership group. Uh, it was a process and a decision that wasn't easy. And uh, you have a team that's going through the season in a pandemic where there's no pause button, there's no stop button, there's shoot-arounds and games that have to be prepared for. And we did the best that we could under the, the environment of time that we were in. On Monday, Rosas further explained the process. Anytime you, you dismiss anybody at any level, it's tough. It's never an easy time. It's never the right time. It's, it's always difficult especially when you're talking about uh, a person like Ryan Saunders. And uh, he's, he's a great guy. He gave us everything we had. But the reality of it is over, the, you know, over this past weekend, the decision was being made that we were going to make a change. Uh, we went through the process of trying to evaluate 
who are the candidates that were going to be available uh, mid-season. And, you know, for us, the execution of it, we didn't know uh, what was going to be available to us as we went through that process until Toronto gave permission. And that happened late uh, in the afternoon yesterday. At that point, the decision to make a change had already been made. Coach Saunders was dismissed after the game. Uh, we made contact with, with Chris as a clear target of ours and the guy that the Raptors have given permission to speak to after we dismissed uh, Ryan. Our, you know, while there was strong mutual interest on both sides, our deal was far from finished last night. Uh, the deal was, was finalized this morning. Both sides were focused on, you know, Chris was a big target for us once we knew we were making a change with Ryan and Chris wanted to be here. And both sides' interests were able to execute that in a, in, in a quick fashion. But, you know, we spoke to Ryan late yesterday post-game. Uh, we spoke to Chris after that once Toronto had given us permission and we were able to finalize finalize a deal this morning. Finch interviewed for the job back in 2019 when Rosas ultimately chose Saunders. At that point in time, we identified both guys as potential fits for us, Chris being the runner-up. Uh, you know, at that point in time, coming into this organization, I felt like Ryan gave us a big advantage in terms of being with the Timberwolves, understanding the environment, understanding the players, and connecting with the players. Ryan did an outstanding job of helping us transition uh, as I came in to lay a foundation uh, for what we're trying to build. His ability to know uh, the Timberwolves, to know the players, to know the situation better, uh, at that point in time was the right transition from us. We've invested everything we could through that tenure, through that opportunity, and unfortunately, you know, Ryan did everything that he could to help us be successful. Uh, you know, I wish our fans could see how hard he worked uh, day in and day out. It wasn't because of lack of effort. Is just the reality, and it's unfortunate that you know the seasons have been as challenging as they have been with the pandemic or with injuries. Uh, but the reality is, we can't control any of those things, and other teams are facing those things, and we have to make an adjustment now to find a way uh, to have success even through those difficulties and through those challenges. And bringing Chris in now, uh, I think his experience, his perspective, uh, will allow us to to handle those situations in a more successful fashion. As for no minority candidates getting an interview? Anybody that knows me knows how important diversity is to me, and uh, it's a big part of who I am and what I'm about. Our staff and the diversity we have speaks for itself. We're in very unique times. Being in a pandemic, being in the situation we're at, uh, you got to understand the situation we're in uh, in terms of we're not guaranteed anything right now. You know, we, we weren't part of the bubble last season. We're hopeful to finish the season this year. Uh, we're working through what might be uh, next year in the off season, but being in a pandemic, being in the situation, it really changes things. And because of the the platform that we're at, you know, a lot of what this process and this search was about was going back to our original search when we hired uh, Ryan. Chris was a finalist there. There were other candidates, minority candidates, that we considered uh, at this time. Unfortunately, when you're in the middle of a season, um, you're really at the mercy of teams in, to, in terms of who can become available and who's not available. That was a challenge for us as we went through the process. In terms of not only David Vanderpool, but Pablo Prigioni and other assistants who are on our staff, uh, we looked at those as, as internal options as well. Uh, but at the end of the day, where we're at, uh, we have to be realistic with ourselves. You know, we've got the worst record in the NBA. 
and we're struggling on both sides of the ball. Uh, we really lacked the confidence as a result of that, that we can get the real change that we needed by making uh, the decision that we made here. Uh, we needed to be bold and direct uh, with this opportunity. We're very thankful to the, for, to the uh, Toronto Raptors for giving us the opportunity to talk to Chris. And uh, when we got that opportunity, uh, we, were, we were very aggressive with it because he's a candidate that we have experience with through our last process and the guy that we had identified as a target for us. That's Wolves president of basketball operations, Gerson Rosas. Scott, back to you. Thank you, Mike. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Did you know that more lives are lost to lung cancer each year than breast, colorectal, and prostate cancers combined? Lung cancer will claim more than 135,000 lives this year. But new treatments have improved survival for many with the disease and offer new hope for many more. So does lung cancer screening with low-dose chest CT. The American Cancer Society and most major professional organizations recommend that adults ages 55 and older with a long history of smoking, even if they have quit, should talk with their doctor to learn more about lung cancer screening. Lung cancer screening saves lives by detecting lung cancer early when it's more successfully treated. So, ask your doctor if lung cancer screening is right for you. And if you smoke, ask your doctor to help you quit. Visit the National Lung Cancer Roundtable website at nlcrt.org. That's nlcrt.org. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. As the Minnesota Twins prepare for the 2021 season at their spring camp in Fort Myers, Florida, reporter J.W. Cox talked to a tourism official in the area who says they're ready and able to accommodate baseball fans who want to make the pilgrimage to get a first glimpse of the team. Scott, each year, both casual and hardcore Twins fans alike circle late February and early March as potential times to trade the frozen crust of midwinter for the sun-kissed beaches of Florida. The draw is Twins baseball, but as Lee County Commissioner Brian Hammond told me, there's so much more to the Fort Myers area, and the baseball fans that flock there in the spring are a crucial part of the local economy, an economy that is more than ready for a shot in the arm. Well, we're excited to have fans coming back to Lee County for spring training this year, even if it is a smaller amount than uh, what we traditionally see. We're excited to have the shot in the arm for our economy. Uh, you know, the folks from the Midwest and, uh, and the Northeast who come down and visit us for spring training, they really do bring a lot of money into our economy. And this is money that uh, our locals down here count on to help get them through the slower months of the year. It is a different world this year than last when it comes to tourism. What can people expect when they travel to the area? Yeah, I don't know what you guys are seeing on the national headlines, but Florida is doing just fine. And actually, we've got some surveys that we've done of the visitors who have come down here, and they agree uh, more than 90% of the people who have come and visited and spent time here in Lee County say they feel very safe very comfortable, that appropriate precautions are being taken. But freedom does work in Florida, and uh, we are allowing people to go out and take the precautions that they feel are necessary as far as wearing masks and things like that. But you can go eat in restaurants here. You can eat indoors. You can eat outdoors. Uh, if you go to the ballpark, I understand Major League Baseball is putting in some pro 
protocols to, you know, distance people and keep them safe. But you're allowed to to go to baseball games. And uh, it's really refreshing for many of the visitors who come down here. They say they needed this. They needed the ability to have some sort of normalcy in their life. And many of them feel that they were very safe. In fact, the vast majority of them feel they were very safe while doing it. What is the reaction of the locals there to knowing that there could be an influx of tourism down to Lee County this time of year? Well, the attitudes really changed. You know, last year, when you think about March and when we were kind of halfway through spring training, we didn't know what we were dealing with. None of us did. And we were all nervous about outsiders coming into our area. Uh, the attitudes, I'd say 180 degrees different this year. Um, look, our, our case numbers here locally have been trending downward for four weeks in a row now. And that's in the middle of tourist season. We have seen visitors. Our hotels are really only about 10% to 15% off in occupancy. So we are having a tourist season. And at the same time that we're having all these new folks come down here, our case numbers continue to decline. So we're we're really happy with the way things are going down here. Uh, and we're praying that, uh, again, as, as folks come and visit down here, they'll help our local businesses out and keep our uh, you know, keep our moms and dads and uh, and local mom and pop businesses going uh, because uh, last year was certainly tough on everyone. A trip to the area can be about baseball, of course, but it doesn't have to be. What else is there for folks to do from Minnesota who might decide to make the trip? Well, it's 81 degrees outside right now, and we have the beach here in uh, southwest Florida. Uh, you know, any any of our hotels are within just a few minutes' drive of the beach down here, so you'd have the ability to go and spread out. Our beaches are not overcrowded. We have miles of shoreline where you can kind of uh, set up camp and have a nice distanced area for yourself. Enjoy the sunshine, get that vitamin D that they say is so important for all of us, and really just kind of relax, you know, turn the world off for a little bit. I think we've all been inundated with just headlines crashing around us for the last year. Um, If you can find a safe environment, and I think we've got plenty of opportunities to do that, to kind of take a break, that's what we're shooting for for people down here. How best can people looking to plan a trip, maybe for the first time, to Fort Myers and the surrounding area get a comprehensive look at all the information they need to know? Yeah, I would just go onto your search engine and look for Lee County Visitor and Convention Bureau, the Lee County Visitor and Convention Bureau. Um, it, uh, it also may be branding itself as the beaches of Fort Myers and Sanibel, which are our two big beaches down here. Um, those, those are resources that we've tried to set up to give people an opportunity to find everything in one place, you know, who's open, what some of the rules are down here, and give them a chance to get that kind of local on-the-ground information that they're looking for. Uh, in fact, many of the folks uh, who run the hotels down here report that people are booking directly through the hotels as opposed to going to some of the travel sites that we've all gotten used to over the last few years. Again, because they want that kind of on-the-ground information, what's it going to be like when I'm there? And, uh, of course, everybody I know in the business is happy to answer those questions. What's your message to folks on the fence about making the trip? I hope they will be willing to make the trip and come on down here. And, you know, we know that uh, uh, a lot of people come specifically for the spring training. I know there's a limited number of tickets. If you can't get one of those tickets uh, with the limited capacity but still want to get away and enjoy some sunshine, I'd encourage you to take a look at our area and see if it's something you'd be comfortable with traveling to. The visitors who we've seen so far are giving us very good reviews. And, uh, and again, we've tried our best to try and uh, accommodate the folks who are ready and willing to travel. For those centering the trip on baseball, the Twins are offering tickets to their games at Hammond Stadium at a reduced capacity. For those looking for sunshine, that still unlimited. Scott, back to you.
Thank you, JW. That's going to do it for us for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station. Thank you.